Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reckless Speculation. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I said this all along going into the game. They play tight coverage and they mix the coverages up. Um, they, sit on, they sit on a lot of routes because they're able to um, um, you know, get some pressure on the quarterback. I'm not going to evaluate the season today. Let's, you want to talk about the game, I'll talk about the game, but there's, there'll be another time for that. All right, welcome into Mackie and Judge Show. Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin filling in. I promise you that we had planned this to be a big look back at the Vikings season and a preview of what was going to happen in the playoffs. That was the plan for New Year's Eve to have a jovial conversation about, hey, remember that time in training camp and all those things? Oh, the games they won along the way. It's playoff time. And instead, we are here to take apart what happened between the Minnesota Vikings and Chicago Bears and look forward to 2019 Minnesota Vikings with you for the next three hours. We have so much to get to with the Vikings. I'm not sure we'll get to a whole lot of other things. So if you've got Vikings takes about what they should do this offseason, what happened against the Bears, what you think of Kirk Cousins as the quarterback of this team for the next two years, feel free to give us a call and chime in here. 651-646-8255. Courtney, I want to start us off with a report from Tom Pelissero, former 1500 ESPN alum, uh, this morning about Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. They are coming back. There's no changes going to be made, according to Tom's report. And I think, A, that will quiet the conversations on Twitter for how many tweets we get per day of, are they going to fire Zimmer? Um, But it's also interesting that it comes out immediately after. There's no question, but there also is not a contract extension to be announced either for Rick Spielman or Mike Zimmer. So this becomes kind of an interesting situation with those two. So the thing that happens every single year is they do this day after the season ends. Ownership's always a part of that meeting. So the meeting happens around 8 a.m. this morning. And as, as you mentioned, Tom had that report that said, they have the full backing of ownership, which a couple weeks ago was the same sentiment echoed by Ziggy Wilf. Um, I believe the Pioneer Press and the Star Tribune caught him after a win um, over the Miami Dolphins. Uh, that you know, the Kevin Stefanski's first game as mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, forty-one seventeen, forty-one nineteen, whatever it was. Um, 
they get the vote of confidence then after beating a cupcake. So, of course, what what do you expect ownership to say at that point? But I think the fact that it came today after a knockdown drag-out loss where they got flat-out embarrassed the entire season went to waste in a matter of 60 minutes yesterday, which I tend to think that the 60 minutes we saw in Week 17 was a microcosm of the entire year all at once mm-hmm. um, falling apart. So, I mean, I guess you really, if you want to wrap things up in a nice little package and you know send it off into the ether, it's probably <laughs> the best way to do it. Um, but I don't think that this comes as too much of a surprise because realistically, even before um, when when they when they knew that what was at stake for week seventeen that it was going to be a win and in game and how much was on the line you didn't hear of many reports coming out or any rumblings that hey if they don't get it done we're going to be looking at a coach firing we're going to be looking at a change in leadership of our front office um, that never really has been in the cards for a number of reasons I think but um, the big thing here I think we need to realize too is very much that. Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer are a package deal. They have been a package deal. Rick's gone through, this is his third coach. He's lasted a very long time here as a general manager. And even before that, in you know various roles in the front office, he's been here since 2006. Um, this is, neither of them, in my opinion, are going one without the other. I think that that's the theme here we're going to see going forward. But it's really interesting to see how this sets up for 2019 because, a coach that was in the clear weeks ago, now in, in a general manager who was probably more on the hot seat, I think, than, than Zimmer was anywhere close to being on the hot seat. Now they're both in that same situation. One thing I, I couldn't stop thinking about yesterday was Mike Zimmer at last year's Combine told us if they messed up the quarterback thing. I have the quote right here. He was going to lose his job. You have it? If you go with the right one and he does like you anticipate, then everything's good. If you pick the wrong one, it's hard to win in this league without a quarterback, which he knows very well. Picking back up with a quote. If you pick the wrong one, this whole thing can go downhill. It's important for myself and Rick and the organization to pick the right guy that is going to help us continue to move forward. If we don't do that, then I'll probably be fired. And here we are talking about him on the hot seat after a Week 17 no-show by his quarterback. And I, I think about how they locked themselves in, their futures, Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer, to the success or failure of Kirk Cousins. And in year one, they now find themselves in the conversation for, should they get extended? Will they get fired if they don't win next year? Because in multiple big game situations, their quarterback did not come to play. So in that way, I sympathize with Mike Zimmer in in some ways, because I think overall, Mike Zimmer did a good job coaching this team. On his side of the ball, they suffered repeated injuries. We saw Anthony Barr go out. We saw Xavier Rhodes go out for a portion of time. Uh, Everson Griffin not only missed those five weeks, but was not the same through the rest of the year. And still they finished fourth in yards allowed, this Vikings defense. And still number one in third down. They did their job. And even yesterday, through three quarters, they did their job. And once again, the defense got worn down because... The Bears had the ball for 37 minutes. So what you hired Mike Zimmer to do in 2014 was to turn around the defense and become a team that could win with defense. And they thought, of course, Adrian Peterson would be the center piece of that. And that lasted for a bit. But the whole point was you hired this guy because he's a defensive guru. You built the defense around him with all sorts of these draft picks. And 
Twice now in the last three years, 2016 and 2018, Mike Zimmer's defense has done exactly what he asked, what you asked him to do with it, and they've been elite, and yet they have come up short of the playoffs. In 2016, I think we all understood because of the Teddy Bridgewater situation, but now it's entirely on the offensive side of the ball. They just did not produce enough or show up in these games. So when we try to grade Mike Zimmer A to F, it becomes very hard for me because I don't know what he was supposed to do better to make his quarterback show up against New England, against Seattle, against Chicago, any one of those games, and they're in the playoffs with the way that their defense played. I still have a really hard time, and maybe I'm just looking at this through the lens of you expect your defense, which if that's the bread and butter of your team, which he has made no bones about, that's what he wants the the identity of this team to be, the offense to do as much as much as you know necessary to play the contained game, to control the clock, to make the defense's job easier, that means your defense needs to come through again and again and again and again. That was a 13-10 game before... Mitchell Trubisky took nine minutes and five seconds off the clock in the fourth quarter, converted four times on third down on the number one third down defense in the Mm -hmm. NFL. Tariq Cohen made them look stupid. Jordan Howard made them look very stupid. I mean, the whole thing that just unfolded right there was kind of a microcosm of the defense going back to what we saw early in the season. They got over that, but it's like everything that possibly could have gone wrong that did at some point was found was what showed up at some point in that game and I just have a really hard time taking a look at that defense and wondering how much longer is this vaunted this vaunted unit supposed to remain in the form that it was in 2017 where it was number 1 overall and where they're at now I mean they're still very very good but that window's closing well, for one, we'll talk about that and some of the free agency issues that they're going to face sure. with that defense and key players that they're going to want to keep. We'll get to that later. Manny's got the list of free agents, so we're going to go through it. Um, but the thing that comes to mind for me is just in 2018, if you think you're going to score 10 points and win a football game with I your know. defense, it's just not going to happen. And the same thing goes mm-hmm. for the Seattle game or the same thing goes for the New England game where they score 10 points. You're just not going to win. I mean, the, even the best defenses are giving up 20 points a game in the NFL today. And if you can't score at all, you, I mean, that's the thing is that so many times Zimmer's defense asked the Vikings offense to just be below average for a game and they would still have won. And instead, they were far worse than that. They were flat out completely incompetent. And that's where, when it comes back, if you're giving a grade for Zimmer for this year, what are you giving him? Probably a solid B. I don't think you can go any higher than that. Because at the end of the day, while he is not an offensive coach, the buck stops with him. All of that stuff falls on him. It's his responsibility you know, if you didn't want John D. Filippo here from the first place, you needed to voice that. You needed to overrule your general manager. If you really wanted Kevin Stefanski from the start, and that goes back to the loyalty conversation that he had with us at the Combine about, you know, why he wanted to retain Stefanski in the first place, you need to be on the same page with your general manager. If you wanted to run the ball more, that needed to be a conversation you had earlier in the season, earlier than starting to voice it publicly week seven when you put up 37 points on the road against the Jets. Like, I think the way that things were handled here throughout the season, he did he did what he could. Um, you know, I understand why 
in his mind, he felt like he needed to turn the offense around by relieving DiFilippo of his duties after, you know, had a week 15. He didn't like the direction the offense was going. It's his prerogative. It's within his right as the head coach. You're the head coach. Be a leader. Do what you need to do to get this thing turned back around. But it seemed like a lot of the decisions that were made this year, everything kind of felt frantic at a certain point because it's like, oh, Kirk Cousins isn't working out the way we wanted. He wasn't the immediate fix. Did we get arrogant thinking, you know, one one player could could change this whole thing? Um, and then that goes back to I think there's a lot of pause with Mike Zimmer and there always kind of has been with his belief and his faith in Kirk Cousins. I mean, at that, that quote that I read earlier, at the combine, he's like in that same press conference. He mentioned how he didn't want the team to go crazy on spending for mm-hmm. a quarterback. Yeah. So while he was publicly voicing his support for Cousins, he was still couching um, what he wanted the Vikings to do in free agency, anyways. Which I also think kind of comes into play here of him being able to save himself um, from any sort of you know criticism from the from ownership being like, look, like my defense did this. The offense, we're working on it. I'm trying to help the offense get better. I'm a leader. This is why I deserve a contract extension in 2019. Because the thing we have to note here, and I've had this confirmed for several weeks, that both Spielman and Zimmer, their contracts are up after 2019. Mm -hmm. It's not normal for coaches and and general managers to go into a season not having some sort of clue what's going on, have some sort of semblance of resolution, whether you're going to get an extension, whether you're done after this season, or whether... You know, whether you want to walk away. I mean, that we don't know that stuff yet, which I think is why ownership has a lot of really important decisions to make in the next few weeks, few months, because this has to get figured out long before training camp. My guess is, this is where I would put the money on Zimmer and Spielman, is that they both get one-year extensions, and those, to me, are votes of very little confidence. And if you believed in them as the long term, you'd give them at least three years or maybe even longer than that. But what will happen often in sports, whether it's baseball or hockey or this, is if you are very much on the fence with somebody and you want them to prove it, you give them the one year extension so nobody can call them a lame duck. So it sort of quiets the it's his last year, mm-hmm. of the contract and they haven't signed him. It, it sort of eliminates that and gives a little bit of like, oh, yeah, he's our guy. But one year on a contract extension most certainly does not offer a vote of confidence. That would be my guess on this. Now, when I'm when I'm going down the different things that happened this year with Mike Zimmer and trying to figure out, okay, where could he have been better? What could he have changed? What could he have handled better? As far as behind the scenes, it's always hard to tell. 2016, a lot of that leaked out to us in Green Bay and mm-hmm. made it quite obvious that there were issues between the team and Zimmer. Some of that stemming from his comments about Anthony Barr coasting. Uh, I think there was a lot of frustration with him. I haven't sensed that this year in the locker room that there has been the frustration with Zimmer. Have you? Well, the one thing I think is interesting is Zimmer brought that up after the Bears game all on his own, where he went to kind of his brain trust of players, which, you know, you can infer from who he's talking about. That's his leader, guys. Those are the same guys he probably went to. Remember they had that meeting before the Jaguars game to be like, all right, no funny business. Nobody's fighting during a training camp practice. Yes. When he had like his little like collective group. Mm -hmm. That's probably the Anthony Bars and the Harrison Smiths and, and Xavier Rhodes. I mean, his core guys that have been there as long, if not longer than him. Um, he said he went to them and it's like, am I losing the locker room? Am I am I not getting through to guys? And they allegedly told him no. Mm. Um, and I know that you asked him about that last week, just like, you know, yeah. how have you been able to 
parlay that into the last few weeks where there's been some change for this team and the pressure is ramped up and just the intensity of what they had to do. And, you know, he said that he felt like everyone was listening to him. But I think that was just really weird to me that um, he brought that up and the players at no point had ever said anything like, yeah, we, you know, the scheme's different. It's too Mm -hmm. hard. It's too difficult. I mean, they did say, you know, that they simplified it. And yeah, they had to do some big soul searching after week four because they collapsed. But ever since then, I mean, the defense has been the story of just this resurgence and they're back to their old form. And, you know, they're the ones coming in to save the day, to save Kirk Cousins from himself. That um, I think that that's the bigger storyline than, you know, the players Zimmer losing the locker room. And, and I didn't get any sense of players taking jabs either. Maybe Anthony Barr wanted to rush the passer more, but he's made that quite clear over a number of years yeah, now. I so mean, that was nothing unique. And we'll get to that too. I mean, like, I think that that's, the writing's been on the wall with Anthony and, and what's next for him all season long, even before the season started. But in terms of what you would criticize Zimmer on. I think it starts with the offensive coordinator, and that's the biggest thing right there. And maybe you could say Zimmer shouldn't push for defensive backs in the first round. That could be it. Or maybe you could say that he shouldn't have moved Mike Remmers to right guard, but then I would ask who was the better option? Were you going to play Danny Isidore there? He didn't play very well at all when he was put into a spot for an injury, and to me, he's not anywhere close to a starter. So that goes on the in the Spielman camp, but but if we're talking about just Mike Zimmer and sort of checking a box, good, bad, what 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 went wrong, what went right for him, uh, I think in the wrong category it was when a team beats you, that doesn't mean you should hire their quarterback coach. Just because you got embarrassed in Philadelphia didn't mean that you should go out and hire one of their people so he can come in and tell you what they did against you. You probably already know what they did against you. And and it really felt that way, and there was a mention on one of the broadcasts, I think it was the end of the Lions game, where the two broadcasters are just sort of talking because the game is such a mess. And they said that they had talked to Zimmer about the DiFilippo thing, and he had alluded to hiring DiFilippo because he got caught up in the loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think if you're going to criticize him for this season and where they have ended up, not in the playoffs, that's one area to do it. But then I would circle back and say, well, they beat two really bad teams with Stefanski and lost to a good team. Does that sound familiar? It just, the whole hiring and firing and the way that that thing panned out, we don't that's a band-aid on a bigger issue. We can't say for certain, because we will never know because of the way the season turned out in Week 17, that the firing of John Filippo was really what this team needed. They were going to beat Detroit. They were going to beat Miami, regardless of who the offensive coordinator was. Yep. It might not have been 41 points on Miami. They still would have beat them. They still would have beaten the Lions. They probably would have gotten the ground game going because Filippo was certainly feeling the pressure from Zimmer. I mean, take a look at how he looked. If you physically watched him on the sideline in Seattle, he was shook. That is a look of someone who feels the pressure bearing down on him from a head coach who he is. the relationship was out the window at that point. I mean, they would have been able to sustain those final two those final two games before the Bears game, regardless of who their OC was, which is why I just don't know if we can really applaud Zimmer and and give him the credit, I guess, you know, that that we could potentially bestow upon him for that decision because did it really matter in the end? No, I think it would have had the same results if they had just kept John D. Filippo and you know, this is part of the question too, is 
when Mike Zimmer, if you're if you're marking off negatives for him, criticized openly John DeFilippo for weeks on end about running the football and, and on and on. Like, is that really the right thing to do? I mean, it came up as of last week. It's like at some point. I mean, and not that ownership honestly gives a rip about it because it doesn't matter. But from the perception standpoint, do you really need to be talking about like, oh, we only ran the ball 13 times? I mean, you said it four times that week. Do you really need to say it in a Friday press conference as a little one last dig to kick a guy when he's already down and he got fired week 15, the biggest story in the NFL that week? Do you really need to continue to do that? That's why I tend to think offensively. Mike Zimmer's leadership is has been under fire and, qu- and under question because of how he handled that situation. Started out week eleven, it was very passive aggressive, too much volume. Let's yeah. just go play football. Yep. Let's yep. you know the 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 old school X's and O's stuff gets real old real quick. Mm-hmm. You ha- this is a people business. You know what this is? It's not just football. It's a business. You have to handle it like a business. That's not handling it that way. As a football coach, it's front office of anything. The fact that that rift was going on for weeks on end and nobody decided from the upper level to put a, put a stop to it, yeah. that's a problem. And that falls on front office and, and just in terms of Rick Spielman being able to kind of take the two twins apart and hold them, you know, hold them by the back of their shirts up here where their legs are dangling, like stop fighting. And I, I think that that's one thing that will always stick out to me because I don't know if the offense was handled the way it should have been. Even Zimmer said that he regrets not helping John Filippo along yeah. enough that, you know, as a, as a, you know, 60 plus year old coach, he felt like it was his responsibility you know, you want the people underneath you to succeed. You want the people to go on eventually. I mean, that, the, that's your coaching tree. That's and your legacy. It's always going to be a question with Zimmer. When you go into a season with expectations, is he going to be able to handle that pressure? Mm-hmm. And in 2016, there were lots of reasons why. And pl- having to play TJ Clemmings 15 games was not Mike Zimmer's fault. That was a bunch of injuries that happened. Teddy Bridgewater, not Mike Zimmer's fault. But the cornerbacks deciding to go against him at the end of the year, that you can put on him. The, the things he said about Sharif Floyd, the things he said about Anthony Barr, and now we... And the offensive line, don't forget, he called him soft. That's right, and now we come back around, and it's just a different person that's a target of his frustration. It's almost like he just gets so much pressure in those situations that he has to point out... Uh, you know, somebody else's fault, a little bit like his quarterback, when things go wrong, that's that it self- always has to be someone else's fault. That's self-preservation. That's somebody who sees that this is his only window to be a head coach in the NFL, more than likely. I mean, he's 60-plus years old. He was, what, 58 when he finally got his first chance? I mean, Vic Fangio might be might be following that same trajectory here uh, if he decides to you know, gets one of the two openings uh, that he's interviewing for. But Zimmer's kind of one of those last of a dying breed. Last head coach to call defensive plays in the NFL. You know, still very much in the mindset that defense wins championships when we're in a very different NFL today than when he started out as a defensive coordinator, you know, in 2000. So, I mean, I think that the blame game and the finger pointing, and and like I said weeks ago with the firing of Filippo, this timing was calculated. This was set up in a way, and you know, for good or bad, you're not, you know, publicly calling somebody out, being like, "You did this on purpose." But it smells funny. It, it looks funny because you take a look at Week 15, you fire your offensive coordinator, realize, okay, there's two games here that we can definitely win. A Bears game that you know you really they should have been a lot more competitive than you know even at 13-10 yesterday. But that set Zimmer up in a way to be like, "Hey, look, Ziggy and Mark Wolf." 
I got us into the playoffs. I fixed it because I was a leader to get rid of John Filippo when I felt like the offense was not going in the direction I wanted. Now we're in the playoffs. Regardless, I mean, that's that's what you needed to do. They haven't been in the playoffs in back-to-back seasons since 2008-2009. It's That's the thing with the consistency factor. It's like Zimmer's teams will have a really great year. There will be a 2015 season. Then there will be a 2016 season. Then there will be a 2017 season. And then the monumental collapse that is today. Like, being able to string that stuff along is just something he has not been able to do. And that's where I question, how much longer can Mike Zimmer continue to do this? Yes, he's got the vote of confidence, allegedly, from ownership. But how long that continues, I don't know if it's that much longer. Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin filling in for Mackie and Judd today. 651-646-8255 to chime in. we got some calls to get to when we come back next for this first hour talking a lot about the report from Tom Pelissero of NFL Network that Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman will be back next season and your takeaways on that so feel free to give us a call we'll be here until six o'clock today so your thoughts on what happened with the vikings yesterday and what is set to happen going forward at five o'clock from pro football focus eric eager will join us the only guy i know who predicted eight wins for this season and it was on the purple podcast so i want to talk to eric about what he thinks went wrong and what could happen in the future we'll take a quick break we'll get to your phone calls when we come back matt and cordy in for mackie and judd don't go anywhere assume the position more mackie and judd coming up next on 1500 espn now back to mackie and judd hello boys live from the tcl broadcast studios so what do you think Pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Just one crash. uh, Well, actually not a crash. It's a vehicle that spun out. Uh, 169 northbound near Golden Valley. It's between uh, 394 and Highway 55. And uh, it is causing a uh, seven-minute delay. So be on the lookout for that vehicle that spun out. Drive carefully, folks. All right, Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin, ESPN Vikings reporter here on 1500 ESPN, taking your phone calls along with uh, lots of conversation about what went wrong with the Vikings this season and how it can be fixed. Spending this first hour a lot on a report from Tom Pelissero of NFL Network that Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman will be back, that there are no changes on the way. And we talked a lot about Mike Zimmer. So your thoughts welcome. We'll also get to Rick Spielman and his argument to stick around and whether you should have confidence in him or not. Let's go to Kurt in Iowa. What's up, Kurt? Hey, not much. Just hanging out listening to you guys. Very good, man. Uh, if they're going to keep uh, Zimmer, then they got to find somebody to work with, uh, obviously work with cousins. And in my opinion, uh, Kirk Cousins equals Jay Cutler. They're the same quarterback, and I'm afraid that's the way it's going to keep looking, just like this year. Um, I hope they can get somebody that works with them, but uh, obviously uh, that was a lot of money for the season we had out of him, and uh, that was about it. So thank you, guys. Uh, enjoy listening to you. I oh, appreciate thank it. Thank you. Happy New Year. You know what's interesting about that? It's a, it's a good point, and it's a good comparison to Jay Cutler or I think Matthew Stafford is another yeah. comparison that people make. And, and I agree, lots of big stats, but not a whole lot of wins. And someone else always gets the blame, whether you know Jim Caldwell or whoever else, other coaches they've fired or whatever it might be. Um, but to the point about someone who can work with him, when I look at the past, 
And I think we fully understand the statistics now. We understand get down in games or against teams that aren't very good and there's lots of yards that get put up. And it's usually not the games against good teams where those numbers come from. And also how those numbers can lie to us. I was showing Manny earlier the famous John Kitna 4,000-yard seasons. Um, But when it comes to someone to work with Kirk Cousins, boy, that's tough because he had Sean McVay to work with, who's... I've completely turned around the Rams organization and a genius. Kyle Shanahan, who got a heck of a lot of Nick Mullins this year after two of his quarterbacks went down, and, and Shanahan has had a long history of getting a lot out of quarterbacks. Jay Gruden, I think in general, has done a good job getting a lot out of quarterbacks. He was with Andy Dalton before with the New England, uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Those are the guys. He worked with some really good offensive minds before. And still same results, though. And that's where you wonder, is there a person out there or is it Kevin Stefanski who can find some of the whatever secret sauce to to change Kirk Cousins? But I just don't know if you could do that at this point in his career. At 30 years old, and we this is what I was trying to get at with Mike Zimmer last week. Um, when you bring a guy in that's at Kirk's age with as much experience as he has, he's a three-year starter at that point in March. He had not played this season yet. You knew what you were going to get. It's almost like at that point, it's like, okay, you don't you don't expect somebody who's been doing this for, for that long, been in the league for that long. His sample size has not changed. It's very much a flat line of mediocrity to be to be right, you know, just blunt about it uh, for the last three years. Like you don't expect him to come in here and go pull a complete 180 in terms of personality, leadership style and what he does on the field. And Zimmer said, well, you're always trying to get better. I mean, you know, as a head coach, he's trying to get better. But I think that's a way of kind of dancing around that because you knew what you were getting in Kirk. You were getting a quarterback with very heavy numbers because, as you said, he played from behind in a lot of those games in Washington. He had to put up numbers and he had to pass the ball because they were trying to win games. One playoff appearance, no playoff wins. That, to me, speaks volumes to everything that we want to argue about Kirk Cousins and whether he's worth it or not. Um, to find someone that's willing to, who can change him, I don't know if you can change him. This might be what you get. Um, and, and taking a look kind of around the league right now, I mean, you, I don't, I would assume that you saw Todd Munkin is potentially going to interview for that Jets job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Adam Gase, you know, he was the offensive coordinator of the Bears for the hot second there. I mean, he's out of a job in Miami. Maybe he's a candidate. I don't know. I mean, with Kevin Stefanski's name floating around as a potential candidate for the Browns job, um, I'm I'm interested to see who Kirk wants to work with and who the Vikings are going to consider bringing in. That is, if we, you know, we don't. That's the next big question we have to answer here after the vote of confidence for Zimmer and Spielman. What do they do with their offensive coordinator position? And I think Kurt in Iowa nails it that the number one priority is finding who will work with Kirk the best. But at the same time, it seems to be a lot of the same results. And I have wondered myself, will there be offensive coordinators who look at the situation and say, or potential offensive coordinators, including Kevin Stefanski, who look at the situation and say, there's a ceiling on that guy, and that ceiling is, I get fired. And I I think that there are plenty of quarterbacks out there who get coaches fired. I think that Matt Stafford is one. I think Jameis Winston is one. If you have Jameis Winston as your quarterback, you will get fired within a couple years because he'll do just enough to give you expectations 
but then he will do just enough to tear you apart and not ever win. Winston is very similar from the playing standpoint, where he turns the ball over a lot. A lot of his yards come when they're down in games. So you look at the box score, and you say, well, why can't you get the most out of this quarterback? He was our first pick. Why can't you get the most out of our $84 million quarterback? Well, because that's who that guy is. And I wonder if, after seeing this, other potential candidates, including Stefanski, will say... I don't know. Eight and eight doesn't really work for me. Let's go to uh, Lou in Oakdale. How you doing, Lou? I'm pretty good, guys. How about you? I'm doing great. What's up? Yeah, I was going to say about the, the Vikings here and that. The thing that's frustrating to me is, look at the playoff situation who's in there right now. you got the Indianapolis Colts, the Norwegian Saints, and the Seattle Seahawks. And that. These three teams I mentioned specifically, because within two years... They rebuilt their offensive lines totally. Mm-hmm. All three teams have, and that. And I just look at it, go in amazement, and the Vikings haven't. And, it, 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 and to me, you know, I like Spielman personally. He sounds like he's a good guy and everything, but he just didn't do his job rebuilding the offensive line in that. And as for Zimmer and that, I think there's more problems here than what you think. I think the def- I think he was out coached a lot, especially on the defensive side. Like, especially with the younger coaches like McVeigh and all these guys, Nagy and that, they were all coached too and all that. So, I I kind of wanted a change in that, you know, and and, and so forth. So that's what all I had to say, really. So well, thanks. Have a happy New Year. Yeah, Goodbye. you too, Lou. I appreciate it. Um, I think he did get out coached in Los Angeles. I'm not so sure he got out coached yesterday or in Soldier Field by the Bears. I think the Bears having the ball for as long as they did because the Vikings offense couldn't do anything, eventually got to the Vikings. I mean, it wore them down, but you still can't let them have it for nine minutes and five seconds in the fourth quarter when the game is within reach. That just can't happen. I mean, that's your that's your defense that, you know, that falls on you. The whole thing falls on you. One point I wanted to make before we get in the lose, like, dissect that a little bit. Um, any offensive coordinator who's going to come here is going to also... I mean, people talk in the NFL. It's a very small fraternity of coaches who everybody knows each other. Zimmer carries a reputation that he's difficult to work with in certain respects. I know he said that he's not difficult to work with when we talked to him about the North thing a few weeks ago. But four offensive coordinators in four years, two of which left prematurely, one being fired, one resigning. I'm sorry, but that speaks to the working relationship that's here in Minnesota. I mean, it can't not. It's not like, oh, I just, you know, Norv got tired one day and he wanted to go take a nap. So he resigned. Like, no. And, and Flip and <laughs> Flip had, did not want that. That's He did not want to leave. This wasn't a, a mutual bucking of heads and, well, I'm gone anyways. No, he wanted to stay here and finish that out. Like, the, the way that this season panned out and the way that a lot of things have panned out over the last four years, last five seasons, uh, with Zimmer since he's been here in 2014 – you know, the change in turnover at offensive coordinator, you can't ignore that. No, I I agree. And if you're on the outside and they're calling you for an interview, that may make you think twice. And they might have to go if Stefanski decides to take another job and leave and he can do that because his contract is up, then they might have to go with someone less experienced because of what the situation looks like now and the turnover with Zimmer and, and also just how public it was. Are you an offensive coordinator that wants your head coach to criticize you after games openly? If you can deal with that, that's just fine. He didn't do that with Pat Shermer, but they mostly won. So if things go wrong, you know that it's going to fall back on you if it's on the offensive side. And, and to the point about rebuilding the offensive line, uh, we'll go through some of that. I do believe that is possible. Uh, I think that 
uh, Pat Elfline a healthy year, another year for Brian O'Neill. They will be in better shape there. They were playing a backup left guard. They were playing a right guard that was a right tackle and fixing those two things, potentially with Nick Easton coming back and then a draft pick or money spent, that that is possible to do without a crazy amount of work on the offensive line. Uh, but it also might start with a new offensive line coach as well. I can't tell you how much that that impacts it unless I was there and knew that. Um, but I'm sure that that had some sort of impact. Losing Tony Sperano from the beginning uh, had some sort of impact on the way the offensive line played. Let's go to um, Linda in Wyoming. How are you, Linda? I am great. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. What's doing up? great. Hey, two compliments. Courtney, that was the absolute best breakdown I have ever heard on Zimmer and the timing of the firing because he knew that, you know, he'd win the next two games and they'd get into the playoffs and it'd save his job. That's that's perfect. And, Matthew, the fact that the Vikings right now are the quote-unquote graveyard for offensive coordinators. And what's happening is Zim's not going to give up his play calling on defense because that's what keeps him in the job because he doesn't have all the abilities that a head coach needs, including being too old to, to change his mind. He's kind of like the uncle that comes to your uh, 72, comes to your Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner, and the older he gets, the more he's right. <laughs> Linda killing it right now. And I can tell you that, honestly, because I'll turn 70 <laughs> in two days. So I, I have to learn to watch that myself. <laughs> but, you know, when you're always, every year, Zimmer's back, what can I do differently? I'm fixing mistakes. And we're, all, that to me, that's always working on things that are in the past, and we're never catching up with the future of the game and the Nagy's and the McVeigh's and these young offensive minded people it 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 puts you in a hole and it's one that i don't think you ever get out of and i'll be real honest i don't see the vikings ever getting far in the playoffs with zimmer for that reason because you're always playing catch up but you're not willing to change your philosophy and zim's never going to give up play calling and he needs to do that if he's ever going to get to be a good head coach so happy new year and thanks guys happy new year to you linda thank you linda tweets me too She's, she's always got good takes. That was a great take. The, the, one, the one thing I would say is that John Filippo was supposed to be that answer, and he wasn't. He was supposed to be. He was talked about, even till the Seattle came by broadcast of, this is the young guy, this is the, the next Nagy, the next McVeigh, and he just turned out not to be that guy. So I think they did try, but he also ended up driving Zimmer nuts because of how complicated his playbook was. So that's it's a very convoluted situation with the relationship with Zimmer in the offense because then I always circle back to, hey, Kirk, make a throw. You know, so... Uh, we'll take a quick break, and if you're on hold, stick there. We will get to your phone calls. Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin in today for Mackie and Judd. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. i got another crash to tell you about Minneapolis uh, as the weather starts to change a little bit uh, today. 94 westbound 
Minneapolis between 3rd Avenue and Hennepin Avenue. You got a crash there. It's causing about a four-minute delay, so be on the lookout for that. And we still have that uh, vehicle that spun out on the 169 northbound in Golden Valley between uh, 394 and Highway 55. That's causing a 10-minute delay there. All right, Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin back here on 1500 ESPN, filling in for Mackie and Judd today, and we've got lots of phone calls to get to, so I appreciate everyone's patience in trying to jump in. Let me just give a quick stat, and then we'll get right back to the phones that I ran into last night. Someone asked a question about Kirk Cousins in the pocket, and something that I pulled up using pro football focus stats is that 50% of Cousins' throws came with more than two and a half seconds in the pocket, which is the same number as Andrew Luck and Patrick Mahomes is in the middle of the league. And the other thing was, in terms of time before he got sacked, he was 11th, and he was 15th in total time to throw. And so the, the point that you could take away from that is, yes, the offensive line played poorly, and yes, he was pressured quite a bit, but at the same time, he, him. he took his time to throw the ball. And if, it's, if he's 11th time before sack... That means he's not just taking the snap and getting sacked. There were other quarterbacks who were, every time that every sack they took were literally like, take the ball, get sacked. That was not the case for Cousins. It was usually him sitting there, sitting there, and then getting sacked. Well, it's like you go back to the first half where he took that sack. It was like, what, third and eight, third and seven? And that was his, on that throw, he had Dalvin wide open, Dalvin Cook wide open in the flat. The third down, I think before that, he had Adam Thielen wide open downfield. I mean, plays are developing. They're not, it's not like it's taking forever to happen. Mm-hmm. It, that's on the quarterback that to, make, to make something happen there, which I know that what Kirk said that got picked up by the Fox broadcast of, I don't have 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's kind of the way that you wrap up this entire season and point to the fact that, hey, the offensive line has been an issue all season long. It needs to be addressed via free agency, the draft, what have you. But some of that still is on your quarterback who, you know, we did see him yesterday exercise his mobility, which was great. You know, be able to get out of the pocket, picked up a first down. I mean, granted, it was brought back because of a holding call because your interior line play is not very good. But the way that Cousins handled that, I think that, some of the blame for you know the the inability to execute when you're facing pressure in the pocket is got to be on him. And when I look at um, that play where he yells at Adam Thielen, there's a ton of space for him to slide in the pocket, and it just never happens. His there is no ability to move in the pocket whatsoever. It's stop in one place and then wait till the rush gets there. And I think that that's the biggest difference between him and the most successful quarterbacks. I think he can make every throw that every other good quarterback in the league can make. It's just why can't he move at all when a play is developing? He can run or he can roll out on a bootleg, but there isn't the ability to slide three steps to the right and wait for Thielen to get to that spot and then throw. And that's the most frustrating part of watching him. And I think it's often on third down and long where you see it, where you do need routes to develop in order to get first downs, but he doesn't give his offensive line any help. And that's where I sympathize a bit with the line as, as much as they did not play very well, they also got no help from their quarterback either. And I believe Manny, didn't you tell me that the top three most sack quarterbacks in the league this year are in the playoffs? 
Uh, Deshaun Watson was sacked 62 times this year. Yeah, he's got a worse offensive line than the Vikings. Russell Wilson, I think, was in the top three, at like 51 sacks, and I think Dak Prescott's the other guy. But here, to be fair, though, we're, we're, they who, move. Are we, who are we looking at? We're yeah. looking at very mobile quarterbacks. Yeah. They move. But as many times as they get those sacks, they also make big plays to mm-hmm. help their team win, and Cousins doesn't do that very often. Let's go to Scott and Phoenix here. What's going on, Scott? Uh, hey, Hey, Matt and Courtney, good to talk to you. What's um, up? Just hopping in somewhere a little quieter here. Um, so what I was kind of curious about, because uh, obviously reality can be really harsh future, and we got a big dose of reality that our team just in general is not not up to snuff this year in its current iteration. So I know going into the off season. Offensive line is obviously going to be a big concern, and we know what we have in Kirk, and we'll see what we can actually get out of that. Um, with like going into the offseason, I just assumed we'd be, oh, yeah, we're going to sign Sheldon Richardson. We might franchise Terry Barr. We might do all these things that would factor into the defense. With a loss like that and the way the season ended, I just was kind of curious with how much we've already committed to the defense, even if we're keeping Zimmer and Spielman because we hope that they're the long-term answers, do we want to continue to keep investing like the bulk of our money on the defense, even though it is really good, or mm-hmm. do we potentially look at freeing up some resources like cutting Griffin or something like that that would uh, allow us to focus more on the offensive side? I don't know the right answer, so I was just kind of curious. Yeah, great question, Scott. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I think... What we're looking at here in the offseason coming up very soon is several contract restructures, several candidates to be moved on from. Um, he brought up Everson Griffin. I don't think that's far-fetched to think that they may try to do something like that where you know the contract that Everson has, I mean, he signed it to the extension two years ago. Um, to where he's at right now, I think that, that's, that might be... That might be a candidate. Kyle Rudolph has an incredibly high cap hit, and he probably will not be around here if he will not budge off that 7.5 figure. Um, There's several others that come to mind. Latavius Murray is not here probably next year. He's a free agent anyways. Um, Andrew Sandejo is most likely not here either. He's got a very high cap hit um, and, and you know just was hurt all season long. So they're going to have some money that they can free up that way. But how you allocate that money do they? I I think that's a very good question. Like, mm-hmm. do we do we still believe that they are going to try to put the defensive identity first here? When you like, that's the thing that I have a lot of trepidation about because you look at eighty four million dollars spent on a quarterback. Yes, I don't want to hear it. The market the market commanded it. I understand that. But if you give someone eighty four million dollars and you guarantee all of it, you certainly think they can do more than quote unquote just enough. That's a cop out. You give someone that much money, you expect them to rise to the occasion, you expect them to be able to, maybe not 16 games a year, but you expect them to win some games on their own. So I, that to me, does the, offense, does the identity shift? It doesn't. I don't think the identity shifts to being where they're spending a ton of money, I mean, first off, they can't, but sizable money on offensive free agents over the next few years. I just don't see it, but... You know that's that's with the coaching staff as it is right now, and with you know the general manager that they have right now. I think the point about Cousins' contract is just how challenging it makes all of this. Uh, okay, so you need to fix a right guard position. There are a couple of free agents that you could spend the money on. There's a draft pick that you can use on that. But if Everson Griffin is not the same, and they feel that way, then just plugging Stephen Weatherly in for Everson Griffin is not the same. 
even even Everson Griffin at 75% is much better, in my opinion, than Stephen Weatherly. It was a nice season for Weatherly, but Griffin is an elite player at his best. So if you lose him, and then, okay, Anthony Harris was nice, but for a while, Sandejo was quite good. And and if you lose Anthony Barr, and now, now all of a sudden you're sort of playing the whack-a-mole game where, okay, maybe you get a better number three wide receiver, but at the same time, two defensive positions aren't as good, so you rank 10th in defense, and you still don't make the playoffs. And this is the tricky thing that they're going to have to figure out in the offseason. The tightrope that they're walking when you pay that much and you have that big of a cap hit is you better get all those money allocations right. You better not have anything go wrong. And one thing to mention, we could talk about it a little later, is Adam Thielen needs a new contract. He can't play under his contract again this year. And regardless, I mean, we'll get to it, but like regardless of the rumors that are out there and the buzz that he will play it whatever because he's, you know. He'd be insane to do so. it's, It's financially irresponsible for the rest of this team and for the financial resources they have to allow Adam to stay where he is. Let's go to Mark in Connecticut. How's it going, Mark? Good. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Sure thing, um, man. Um, a couple of weeks ago, it was reported that both um, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman only have one year left in their contracts, which is sort of unusual in the NFL. Typically, you either extend someone at this point or, or you move on. So, do you think that those two guys will get an extension this offseason, and if they do, do you think the timing is sort of odd to give those guys an extension considering the, the disappointing season that the team had? Thanks, Mark. Appreciate the call. I think that they get the one-year extension that you and I were talking about in the first hour of the show, that it's not a complete vote of confidence of, hey, we want you to run wild and you know take us to the promised land because we just don't know you can get us there, but it's enough for right now where it's like, hey, do we really want to go through a coaching search? Like we had a pretty good grasp on what we wanted as a franchise. Like we still think we can reach it with this, with the coaching staff, with Zimmer as the head coach, with Spielman, with their brain trust, with their direction they want to take this team in. But we're not willing to go all in. It's kind of like you know, really like a last straw type thing to me, which is why I think that those will be short term deals. To okay. You know, put your money where your mouth is now. You need to prove it. Okay, Kirk, the 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 training wheels are off. It's year two. If you can't get it out of Kirk now, I mean, then we're looking at my, what Mike Zimmer said at the Combine, that he may be fired. That is uh, my guess as well, that it'll be one year. But if it's more, that will be really interesting. Yeah. If it's a three-year extension for both, that will be full vote of confidence, which then puts just as much pressure on, on those guys because it's something we'll bring up time and time and time again is what type of extension they were given. So this just adds another wrinkle to a very interesting offseason already in which you have to hire an offensive coordinator, fix an offensive line, deal with a number of contract issues and free agents and things like that. And then on top of that is, can Rick Spielman do his job aggressively, as he said so many times to us in press conferences, when he's sitting there knowing that a one-year extension isn't really a one-year extension. It's a hot seat extension. Let's go to uh, Don in Ohio. What's going on, Don? Well, happy New Year to both of you. You as well. Thank you. First of all, spot on. I actually, uh, I, I, first of all, you two didn't... Uh, I'm sure you know, but you two have done an amazing job for the last couple of years. You just have, and well, actually, Matt, Matt, you've done for more than that. But no, you do, you do. Uh, I think Minnesota's had a long tradition of great sports writers and hosts and, and such, but you two have done a great job. So I just want to let you know that. Appreciate that, Thank Don. You, Don. Uh, real quick, though, I think you're spot on. I think they have to do an extension for both 
Spielman and Zimmer just because if you're going to bring an offensive coordinator in, who wants to come in on a lame, you know, on a mm-hmm. come in when, you know, if you're head coach and GM, you know, I've only one year left. So I think just for the sake of the offensive coordinator, I think you got to do that minimum on that. And who knows if Stefanski, I mean, I, I would like to think they want Stefanski back on because of the fact that familiarity of everything on that. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he goes to the Giants because you know, that was the whole point beforehand. Right. But, um, you know, they, they are going to need a solid offensive line coach. I think that's going to be, you know, and you can get all the talent you want and such, but I think you're right. That I don't think they're going to sign any free agent, uh, you know, um, offensive lineman that I just don't think can't afford because of the because of their cap salary. So they got to find one. You know, and I don't know if the Browns are going to keep um, – I don't know if the Browns are going to keep was it Bob Wiley, who I think would be a fantastic choice if they decide not to keep him. You know, with all the the coaching changes, um, you know, throw all the money you want and 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 get Mike Tice. I know they went after him once, but my goodness, you know, I mean, you got to get somebody who knows you know who knows offensive line well. I think that's going to be the number one priority for him. There really is between that and the OC and that. Zimmer's got to stop micromanaging also the offense. He, he's just going to have to trust. He's got to have the. He's going to have to trust the offensive coordinator from this point forward, and I, and I think he's going to. I, I do, I, and I think that was a a big thing with the, that. He's got. He's obviously got control issues. You know, he, he micromanages quite well, and you know, I, he hasn't given up the you know defense play calls and such either. And um, you know, he's just he's just going to have to trust his coaches. He just has to. I think once he does that, things going to be a lot easier for this team. Real quickly, also. Um, what are your thoughts on franchising tag, franchising tag uh, bar? Because you're not going to be able to, you're just not going to be able to sign him. I think that's one of the lock at this point. He wants to be a pass rusher. But the thoughts of uh, franchise tagging him and uh, trading him? Thanks, Don. Appreciate the call. That is on the list of things to get to next hour. We've got uh, Manny is going to run through some of the most disappointing seasons in Vikings history and the free agents that are coming up. So we'll have a conversation about bar. Let me just sneak in here. Uh, Mark in Bloomington before we go to the break. What's going on, Mark? Well, I could, couldn't agree less with the last call. I, I've been around since 61. I saw the first game against Tarkington, one beat Chicago. What they have to do is fire those guys now. Get rid of Zimmer and Spielman. Now you're just going to waste another year because we've seen what Zimmer's about. We've seen what Spielman's about. He should have been gone two years ago. Uh, the drafts have been a disaster, the first-round draft choices. They haven't addressed the problems they need. Zimmer is not head coach material. He's a D coordinator. Don't waste another year because that's what you're doing. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate the call. Um, it's something that we will continue to discuss as the show goes along. I want to respond to that, but we are up against the break. So if you're on hold, hang on. We will get to you when we come back. Taking your calls. Appreciate everybody's patience. Lots of phone calls today, which Courtney and I love hearing from all of you and having a good conversation, taking apart the Vikings 8-7-1 and one season and looking at the future as well. 651-646-8255. React to that. Plus, Kirk Cousins, and how can they make him better? We've also got free agents to look at. In fact, let's do that next. Manny's got the list of free agents. Let's go through them and talk about some of the top ones and and how the Vikings might approach them. Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin in for Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've heard to date. On 1500 ESPN.